0: Let's pray together. Father, we just, uh, we have a difficult time, for whatever reason, remembering that it's the blood of Jesus, the gift of your Son, that makes all the difference in our lives. And so, Father, just help us to remember that gift and the impact that has on our lives and the hope that it brings us all. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. It's great having Mitch back. (laughs) What, you know, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was just remembering one of my favorite Mitch stories is that I was, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was literally sitting in some dive in San Antonio, Texas, minding my own business, and all of a sudden I hear somebody yell, Pastor Darren. Now, there are moments when you just want to remain anonymous and you don't want to hear Pastor Darren coming out of the darkness somewhere, and lo and behold, there was Mitch sitting in the back of the room and it was uh, great to reconnect with him, but it was just one of those uh, funny times where we were able to reconnect. Uh, this morning, I am in a uh, bit of a difficult position uh, because I'm supposed to be batting cleanup on this series that we have called Ancient Generosity. And we've been looking at stories from the Bible as a way to um, illustrate what the Bible teaches about authentic giving. The problem is that, really, Greg and Gordon have done such an incredible job in this series. Like, it's a lot of pressure, so I just don't want to screw it up and undo all the good that they've already done. So I've decided that I'm going to take a little bit of a departure this morning in my message. uh, Primarily because, as I was trying to write this message, there were these stories that just kept popping into my head. And uh, I decided that I would just play it out. So here we are this morning playing it out. And the question that kept popping into my mind is, what is it that a cup of water, two small coins, and a jar of perfume all have in common? So what I've decided to do is I'm just going to tell you these three stories that came into my head. Then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about what they have to teach us about the idea of authentic giving. All right? So the first one comes from the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 11. David and his men are doing battle against their arch enemies, the Philistines. And when you read the Old Testament, you know, the Israelites and the Philistines were doing battle all the time. Uh, But in this particular case, they were doing battle, and they decided to take a little break from battle. And so the Philistines go one way, and David and his men go the other way. And the Philistines go to a little town called Bethlehem. You ever hear of that place, a little town called Bethlehem? And uh, this is the place where David was raised. He grew up there. And um, they were camped out in Bethlehem. David, in the meantime, was holed up in some cave up in the hills where he didn't have access to water or food or anything else. And so as he's sitting in this cave with his men, exhausted, thirsty, tired, he starts daydreaming a bit. And so he says to himself, but I guess he says it loud enough that Somebody could hear him say what he was saying. And he says, oh, that somebody would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Just kind of throws it out there. And I guess that maybe out of all the wells in Bethlehem, maybe the one by the gate was the one that had the most premium water, the the Fiji stuff or something. But for whatever reason, it was that particular well that he wanted to drink of water. Well, his men were so loyal to him that three of them, without even thinking about it, popped up, jumped to their feet, ran 12 miles, broke through enemy lines, found this well. At great risk to their lives, draw a cup of water, go 12 miles back, and bring it back to David, so that he could enjoy this water from this well that he loved. The problem was that when he came, when they came back and gave him the water, he refused to drink it. He said, I am so overwhelmed and moved by the act of loyalty and sacrifice that these men have made for me. It would just cheapen what they have done if I were to drink it. So he takes this cup of water and he offers it as a drink offering. And he had seen the priests do this in the tabernacle where they would take a cup of liquid and the priest would pour it out in the tabernacle, symbolically pouring out their lives as a sacrifice to God. And so David takes this precious cup of water that these men have risked their lives to bring him. And he pours it out on the ground as a drink offering. The next story is found in the New Testament in the Gospel of Mark. And this scene is set when Jesus sits down in the temple with his disciples. And they're sitting in a place where they can see everyone filing up to place their offering into the temple um, coffers, the offering. Because in that day, in that age, the the, the temple actually had these big vats where people would come forward so that everybody could see them give, who was giving, who wasn't, as they placed their gift in these big pots. We have thought about doing that at Westridge, but we didn't think that would go over really well. But... Jesus and his disciples are hanging out and they have a good perspective on the place where everyone is giving. And it just seems that one rich person after another, after another, is flamboyantly giving these huge gifts, making sure that everybody sees this large gift that they're giving to the temple and what great men they are. And somewhere out of the shadows emerges this poor little widow. And you could just tell from the way that she looks that she has nothing. And she walks up surrounded by all of these great wealthy men and you can almost see them sneer at her, can't you? Like, what is the difference that your little gift is going to make amongst all of these great gifts? And she quietly approaches the offering and she drops two small coins into the temple offering. Bible says it's worth a fraction of a penny. And Jesus sees an opportunity to teach his disciples about giving and he gathers them all together and he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the offering than all the others. And I'm sure the disciples are going, Jesus, you're a little off because these guys have given some incredible gifts, these huge gifts here today. How could her gift compete with the great wealth of these men? And Jesus said, her gift means more to me than all of these other great gifts combined. Because while they gave great gifts out of their great wealth, This woman gave all that she had, every last penny, and she gave from her heart. The last story is found in the Gospel of John, and it takes place at a party that's being thrown in honor of Jesus. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, the brother of uh, Mary and Martha, and he's done this incredible miracle. And so as a way to honor Jesus and to thank Jesus, they throw this huge party. Because you can imagine, can't you, that one minute you see your brother dead, lying there in front of you, and the next minute he's sitting in front of you eating dinner with you? Unbelievable. So they throw this party as a way to thank Jesus. Well, Mary has been so changed in her life, in so many ways, even beyond just the raising of her brother, that she wants to do something, and so she takes the only thing that she has of value, which is a jar of perfume, and we may not think of perfume as having kind of a great value in this day, but we're not talking about like a Chanel Number 5. This is a perfume that was imported and very rare. In fact, as you research the topic, you see that actually people used to invest in this type of perfume as people would invest in gold or silver. It was a commodity that was traded and would appreciate in value because it was so rare. And she takes this jar of perfume that the Bible says was worth a year's worth of wages. And so we can extrapolate and just have a conservative estimate that in today's value, that it was worth at least $15,000. So it was a significant Amount of value that was in this jar, and she opens this jar and she just dumps it out. But it's where she dumps it out that makes a difference. She takes it and pours it onto the feet of Jesus, and everyone gasps. Oh my gosh! I cannot believe she did that. Does she know how much does that worth? Jesus, do you know how much, Do you know what we could have done with the money if we would have just sold that perfume? And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's done this extravagant gift for me because of her love for me. It was something that could have changed Mary's life had she sold it or traded it or anything else, but instead she takes it and pours it out on the feet of Jesus. So what is it? that a cup of water, two small coins, and a jar of perfume all have in common. Um, well, let me just draw some lessons from these three stories that I just told. And I hope that, um, I hope that what you've seen in this series is an attempt for us to just speak honestly and openly about this area of giving because sometimes it's a point of contention uh, between the church and its people. And um, we want to always uh, be able to approach this topic uh, with transparency and openness and talk honestly about what the Bible has to say about it and not back away from the tough things. And so I thought I'd start out with the first one being the toughest lesson of all Uh, that comes from these three stories. And that is the observation that I made in all three cases is that giving is sacrificial. Right? I mean, in, in each case, there was some sacrifice that was made that caused that gift to be extravagant. More than anything else, in that moment, David wanted that cup of water. He dreamed about it. He fantasized about that. And he wanted that drunk cup of water, and yet he found it to be more meaningful to use that as a drink offering before God because of the meaning that that cup of water had in that moment. These two small coins that she drops into the offering, that could have provided a much-needed meal for this poor widow, and yet she just, without thought, drops them into the offering. Mary looks around at that which has the most value in her home. What can she do? She just wants to express her gratitude in some way, and she takes the most expensive thing she has in the house, this perfume, and she just pours it out onto the feet of Jesus. Incredible sacrifice that creates this kind of extravagant gift in each of these three cases, and it's the kind of sacrifice, quite frankly, that few of us have ever really experienced. We've never really felt that kind of sacrifice, to be honest. Um, I think that it's a little troubling for me personally, even, because I think that if I've gotten one thing right in the whole Christianity thing, and believe me, I've gotten a lot of things wrong uh, through the years, but the one thing I've gotten right is that I've just had a commitment to tithe all my life. It's the way that I was, you know, my parents had me giving 10% of my allowance uh, from the day, I mean, you know, I was a pastor's kid, but... Um, 10% of my allowance from the beginning and this whole idea of giving 10% of the church has just been something that's always occurred naturally to me. But when I read this, these stories, I just have to ask myself, is 10% enough? Like, is the Bible really, you know, is tithing a guideline in the Bible, but is it really teaching that giving is sacrificial? That it's something that we do that is so meaningful that it changes the way that we live or it causes us to not do something or it causes us to not buy something that we'd love to buy. And I have to say, I don't think that I've ever sacrificed to that point in my life. Is my 10% enough? I want to be real careful not to misrepresent this point, too, because I think that there's a lot of churches that will focus in on the amount that we give. And they'll say that, you know, the more that you give, the more that you'll get in return. So there's the whole idea of the prosperity gospel out there that says that if you give a hundred bucks, then you're going to get a thousand bucks back. God will bless you ten times as a result of what you give. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God will bless you as a result of your giving, but it doesn't say that he'll bless you financially. <laughs> money, is not, money is not something that is meaningful for God, but it is something that is important for us to be able to be in the practice of giving. What it does teach us is that God will bless us in ways that go beyond our comprehension and that we will grow as a result of it. The, I think that one of the very important things that I want to bring out from what this teaches us is that the amount that we give is meaningless to God as long as it's a meaningful amount to you. As long as it's a meaningful amount to me. In other words, when you give a hundred bucks and you give a hundred bucks, it may have two completely different meanings compared, uh, compared to each other because you're in two completely different financial standings. So is it equal giving? No, it's about equal sacrifice. So I just want to point out that in no case in any of these three stories was the gift highlighted because it was such a big gift. It was a simple cup of water. It was two small coins. It was a little jar of perfume. It wasn't highlighted and expanded upon in the Bible because the Bible's trying to teach you to give such a big gift. It was teaching that these gifts were near and dear to the heart of these people, and it was a sacrifice, and it was a gift of extravagance that resulted. God doesn't really care how much you give. He cares that the amount that you give stretches you and challenges you and causes you to grow in your faith. Okay, that's the tough one. Now that's over. The second one is this. Giving should not be done out of a sense of obligation. But it should always be done out of a sense of joy. You know, again, in all three cases, there wasn't a sense of obligation that these people had to give that gift. I mean, (laughs) everyone expected David to drink that water. These guys went through hell and back to get this water to him. Of course, he's going to drink it and enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure that some people were just horrified that he just pours this water out of the ground after what these men went through to get this cup of water. Who's going to notice if this widow doesn't drop the two coins in the offering at the temple? What's the big deal? Who cares whether Mary busts open this jar of perfume and drops it onto the feet of Jesus? Nobody expects her to do that. In fact, a lot of people gave her crap about doing that. And Jesus has to defend her and say, this was an extravagant gift that she does out of her love for me. So, in each case, I think that each person demonstrates that the gift that they gave, they saw as a privilege about giving, not out of a sense of obligation. Now, you know, to be honest with you, while tithing does come naturally to me, and, and there's, you know, I've done it all my life, there have been times in my life where I get a little whiny about giving, I mean, there's times when you just think, man, if I could just take all the money that I've given to the church and invest that, gosh, I'd be really well off. Or if I could just take all the money that I've given this last year, I could have put an addition onto my house or whatever. And there's times when I even have to remind myself and say, dude, (laughs) nobody's forcing you to give. Nobody's sitting there with a gun to your head to give this offering If you don't want to give, don't give, right? I mean, if you can't do it with a sense of joy, then don't do it. And I have to, at times, like remind myself when my attitude is off. But the reason why I give and the reason why I volunteer here is because I really believe in the mission and vision of this church. I believe that when I give my gift, when I give my offering, that I'm investing in something that goes way beyond the realm's of this world, and has so much meaning that it provides me a sense of purpose and mission in my own life, and I consider it a privilege to be able to give. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it's a very famous verse about giving, but just look at those first couple words. It says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, if I'm sitting here beating you guys up and saying, hey man, the church needs to make the mortgage payment, the church doesn't have enough money, it's irrelevant. Because that's not why we give. If I sit here and say, you need to give more and guilt you about that, that's not the right motivation. The Bible says don't give reluctantly or under compulsion or out of a sense of obligation, but God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Paraphrased, giving should not be done with a whiny attitude, but that we should always, when we give, give with a sense of joy and not out of a sense of obligation. The last lesson, I think, is the most important lesson. And this is what we really try to drill in everybody's head like every week. And that is the fact that giving is born out of a sense of gratitude. You know, in all three instances, these people were so grateful to God that they just wanted to do something. They wanted to do something extravagant. They wanted to do something sacrificial. They wanted to give because this sense of gratitude that they had in their lives overflowed inside of them and it came out in the form of generosity. You want to know how God's grace has impacted your life, look at your giving. Because when we have given, usually giving doesn't make any financial sense at all. I mean, why would I give up the money that I've worked so hard to earn? Why would I write a check for an amount that is extravagant when you know I've worked my rear end off to get that? There has to be something else going on inside of me that causes me to want to give like that, to have a desire to give like that. So I just want to be really clear that this is the foundation of giving. If we're not giving out of a response to being thankful for the grace of God in our lives, then our motivation for giving is off it's just off you may have noticed that in the uh, offering time that every week we'll stand up and we'll say you know if if you're not a place in your relationship with God where you want to give if you're not at a place where you just have a sense of joy about giving then don't give and we say that because we never want giving to be a barrier between you and God. We never want money to be a barrier between you and the church or you and God or or anything like that. We never want you to give out of a sense of obligation, but we want to make sure that everyone is giving out of a sense of gratitude because that's where it's born. That's where it's meaningful. That's where we can give with this Cheerful attitude with this sense of joy because we are just so grateful for what God has done in our lives. You know, a lot of people think the church is just some big facade to try to get your money, and with a few exceptions of some bad apples out there, it's just not true. I mean, look at Westridge, for example. Most of the people who work here don't take a dime for what they do, they're just strict volunteers. And those people that are paid for what they do here, I promise you could make a lot more money somebody, someplace else for what they do and how gifted they are. But everyone does what they do here because we all believe in the vision and the mission of this place that we think is making an incredible difference in this community and ultimately in the world. And in spite of the fact that we have to make mortgage payment and that we have to pay the bills every single week. I think that we've made a commitment here at Westridge that we're not going to teach something that the Bible doesn't teach. And the Bible doesn't teach that we give to keep the lights on. (laughs) The Bible teaches that we give out of response to what God has done for us in our lives. And so, I'll just say it. If you're not at a place in your relationship with God where you want to give, don't give. Because it just cheapens the whole act of giving, which for us is like an act of worship, where we are just so grateful to God that we want to give. But I would also say that the opposite is also true. If you're somebody who calls yourself a follower of Jesus, and if you have experienced the grace of God, and you do call yourself a Christian, and you're really trying to follow Jesus in all the areas of your life, and you're not giving in a way that is meaningful for you, then I'd really challenge your perspective about that. And say that's an area of your life that you need to look at or I need to look at. Because the Bible doesn't spend so much time. And, and, you know, giving is like money is like one of the biggest things that the Bible teaches about. (laughs) Primarily because we have such a hard time with it. We have such a hard time with dealing with money and letting it go because it becomes such a dominant part of our life as we're always constantly trying to get ahead or to get more. And Jesus realizes that and says, be careful. Mm -hmm. Giving in the offering every week is this act of letting go of another little piece of this world. And the more that we're able to give away, the more that we're able to let go of, the more capacity we have to fill ourselves with the stuff of God. So I think this morning, I would just leave you with that challenge to ask yourself, quite simply, why do I give? What's my motivation? Am I really giving with a sense of joy, or do I feel a little bit of resentment about it, and I'm really not liking it? Is the amount that I'm giving, is that a meaningful amount for me? Based on my financial situation, am I just throwing a few bucks into the offering bag as it goes around without thought, or am I really taking the time and thinking about letting go of another piece of this world? Letting go of another piece of control in my life and giving that up to God. Jesus put it like this. Stop investing in the stuff of this world that won't last. The stuff that has no value beyond the grave. It's not worth it. You really can't take it with you. But invest in those things that last way beyond the realms of this world. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A cup of water. Two small coins. And a small jar of perfume. Gifts that were so extravagant that they made it into the pages of the greatest piece of ancient literature that the world has ever seen.